Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. There was a Philadelphia attorney who was very aggressive, heading down, driving pretty fast. And uh, he was going through South Carolina, came to a small town, and he rolled through a stop sign, saw a blue light in his, his rearview mirror. He thought, oh, great. So I got some local, local yokel. So he said, I'm going to teach him a thing or two. Um, sheriff said, sir, may I see your license and registration, please? And the attorney said, what for? He said, well, you didn't come to a complete stop. You rolled through that stop sign. Attorney said, well, he said, hey, he said, I slowed down and there was nobody coming, no harm, no foul. He said, sir, it was not a complete stop. Can I see your license and registration? And the attorney said, well, I'll tell you what, if you can show me the legal difference between slowing down and stopping, then I'll give you my license and registration. You can give me a ticket. But if not, I get to walk with no ticket at all. Sheriff thought for a moment. He said, okay, sir, would you please exit the vehicle? And as the guy stepped out, he had one of those, sheriff had one of those retractable batons and he whipped that thing out and he hit him right across the shins. And when he bent over, the sheriff was just beating him all about the head and shoulders. He said, sir, would you like me to stop or just slow down? (laughs) This morning, I don't want to quibble about words, but I actually have something that I really want to present when I entitled this, This New Life. Title of this message is This New Life. And the idea is that it's not just when, and of course, you know it because we say it here every Sunday. If you've been here with us, you've heard us say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a a new creation. And so we've come to an understanding that spiritually we are new. But that's not all. It's kind of like that old commercial, but wait, there's more. And there is more. Not only are we new, but positionally things have changed in our life. When Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, it was a large church. It was a church made up of people who had come from primarily uh, just purely pagan backgrounds. They worshiped the goddess Diana. And, but this church was growing and he was writing to them and he wrote to them about two changes that really are what this new life is all about. Here's his words in Ephesians. He said, now therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There are two things, well, there are three things to change. One, you're a new creation in Christ. Second thing is you're now a citizen of a different kingdom. When Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, right before he was going to the cross, Pilate, he had, a, he had a, a, an exchange with Pilate. Pilate was intrigued by Jesus, somewhat intimidated by Jesus. And you can almost hear the, the sneer in Pilate's voice when he looked at Jesus and said, so you're a king. And Jesus looked at him and answered him directly. He said, you say rightly, I'm a king. He said, and my kingdom was of this earth. He said, my servants would fight and I would not be delivered to you. He said, my kingdom is not from here. And over and over again in the scriptures, if you're reading with us in the book of Acts, you'll see where Paul preached the things about Jesus and things concerning the kingdom of God. It's a very real kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And just because you can't see it does not mean it does not exist. And when Paul was writing to this group of believers in 
in Ephesus, and it applies to the believers here in Conroe. When you, when you made Jesus your Lord, you became part of a different kingdom. You're now part of God's kingdom, and that begins to change things. Paul understood citizenship because Paul was actually born as a Roman. He was born as a citizen of Rome. And if you were a Roman citizen, that was like a great, it was a great honor back then. It gave you rights and privileges that, that people who were foreigners did not have. In fact, one time they, one time they, uh, they arrested Paul in Jerusalem and they were, they were going to beat him. It, it was called scourging. A scourge was a Roman whip and it had like, you've heard of a cat of nine tails, similar build. It had all these tails and they had bits of bone and steel and lead embedded into the cords. And buddy, when they hit you with that thing, it was, it was painful. And this was no three times in your out. The Romans were brutal. And they're about to scourge Paul and they're tying him up. And Paul looks over at the Roman centurion and he goes, is it lawful for you to scourge a Roman who's uncondemned? And everything stopped. And the centurion said, wait a minute. He said, you're, you're a Roman? He said, yes. He said, and the, and the centurion said, I had to buy my citizenship. And Paul looked at him and said, I was freeborn. In other words, he was born into, into a Roman citizenship. And the scourging, it went away. They did not beat Paul. And he used that as a way to get out of a beating. And there's some real, there's some real parallels there where we could look at the enemy and go, it is not lawful for you to trespass in my life. I am not a citizen of your kingdom. I am a citizen of the kingdom of God and I've got rights in this kingdom. So we're citizens of a different kingdom. We're, we're members of a different kingdom. And, and this, is, this may be new thoughts to you, but what what's, we're, we're learning to do is how do we operate in this kingdom? We say, well, you know, I'm here and no one else, you can't see the kingdom of God, right? It's within you. But the beautiful thing about it is we can learn to operate as a citizen of this kingdom. And Paul said, and you're, you're not a stranger. The word stranger means without a family. It says you're part of the household of God. Boy, that's important. We're not, when you made Jesus your Lord, you are no longer separated from God. God's not far away. You became a member of his family. You are, in fact, you hear people say, you are a child of God. We sing that song, I am a child of God, which means we're part of his family. Things are different in his family. There was a, a, a pastor out of Washington, D.C. His name is Craig Barnes. He said when he was a little boy, his parents, his dad was also a pastor. His dad and mom adopted a 12-year-old boy named Roger. Roger had come from a home where both of his parents were heroin addicts and both of them had died in an overdose and there was no one to take care of Roger and so Craig said his parents adopted Roger and brought him into the family and raised him like one of their very own sons. They said it was very different for Roger to come into a family who had just come from a, a home where nothing but with heroin addicts. They said it was hard on Roger initially because he said every day he could hear his parents saying, no, no, Roger, that's not how we act in this family. No, no, Roger, you don't have to hurt and scream and, and cry to get your way here. No, no, Roger, in this family we treat people with respect. He said, but gradually Roger began to learn how to act in his family. Now Craig said this. He said, Roger wasn't learning how to act 
so that he could be a member of the family. He was already adopted into the family. He was already a member of the family. What he was learning to do was learning to operate in the new family where there was love and out of gratitude and out of, out of the goodness his family by grace had adopted him in and now he's learning a different way of life. Guys, that's how we live. We don't have to earn our way into being a child of God. When we make Jesus our Lord, we are adopted into the family. We are part of a brand new family and now we're learning to operate operate differently. And when we change and when we do things differently, it's because out of gratitude and love for the Lord who's put us in a different place. This new life, this is a new way of living. It's not just church on Sunday. This is learning how to operate in, in a new kind of life. And when you see pictures in the Old Testament or pictures in the New Testament of people having interactions with Jesus or, or interactions with God. What we're learning is pictures of how God's kingdom works, how his family works. So I want to give you one this morning of a man who really got it right. His name was Jairus and he had a very tragic situation going on. Let's read in Mark the fifth chapter. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So you can picture that Jesus gets out of the boat. There's a huge multitude of people all around him. They're thronging him. If you've ever been in other cultures, you realize that Body space in other cultures is very different from body space here in America. Here in America, we, have a, we all have a space bubble. Go, go somewhere else. Man, they, they're all up in your, it's, it's, it's amazing. But in the Middle East, they're thronging and there's, but the, the waters part, because a man named Jairus steps up. He's a ruler of the synagogue. In that community, that's about as high as you can get. And Jairus comes, but here's what Jairus does. When he walks in as a ruler of the synagogue, it's like being the pastor and the mayor at the same time. It's a, it's a high-ranking position. He was a man of status. The Bible gives us his name. That tells us that he was someone who's important, but when he comes, he falls down at Jesus' feet and worships him. And by falling at Jesus' feet, he's sending a message. He's sending a message that, Jesus, I'm, I'm honoring you, and Jesus, I'm acknowledging that you are greater than I am. And for a, 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 a Jewish ruler to do this, this was big. Now, we don't, we don't fall at one another's feet anymore. If you, you see me walk, I've never had walked into a store and had someone come fall at my feet and say, Pastor Allen, if you do, I will slap you. <laughs> In love, of course. Get up. I, no, you don't, we don't worship a man, but we do worship the Lord. And falling at Jesus' feet, what he's acknowledging is, Jesus, you are greater than I am. And I'm honoring you by this position. And then what he said was so key. Because he, he, he said, Jesus, he, he's saying, Jesus, you're bigger than the crisis that I'm facing. You're greater. Having a little girl at home dying is crisis level. But when he falls at Jesus' feet... And, and begins to earnestly, he's, he's praying, he's asking. He's saying, Jesus, he didn't just say, my little daughter's dying. He says, my little daughter's dying. And here's what he believed. He believed Jesus was bigger than that. 
Because he said, you just come lay your hands on her and she will be healed and she will live. He really gave Jesus something to work with. And so when he came and, and fell at his feet and honored him and acknowledged him as greater and then acknowledged him as greater than the crisis, the Bible said Jesus went with him. And as they're going, there was an interruption. So you can imagine you're Jairus, Jesus is coming with you, your little daughter is, is dying, and as they're walking down there, a lady doesn't even tell us her name. She slips through the crowd, gets through the throng, they're just thronging Jesus, they're all around him, and she comes and touches the edge of his clothes and is, receives healing. And Jesus stops and goes, okay, who touched me? And his disciples are like, oh, Jesus, everybody's touching you. He said, no, no, somebody touched me. I felt power go out. And finally, the little lady came, told him the whole story. Jairus is still standing there with a dying daughter. Jesus is taking the time to minister to a lady and encourage her. And we see what happens next. While he was still, Jesus was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter's dead. I trouble the teacher any further. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult. That word tumult there means an uproar. There was an uproar there. Those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. When he put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. He commanded strictly, no one should know it and said something should be given her to eat. What he did, what Jairus did, when what he did right was he did not give in to the fear. Now, can you imagine you're standing there and you're already impatient because Jesus is stopping to talk to a lady and you're thinking, if you're a parent, you're thinking, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, and come on. <laughs> So what are you going to do with that? And then you hear that it got worse. Your daughter died. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. And immediately Jesus speaks to him and said, don't be afraid, only believe. Now here's, here's something you got to get a hold of. If you look at that and go, well, he couldn't help. Listen, Jesus never asked someone to do something they were incapable of doing. What he was telling them, here's a choice here. You can, you can be afraid, you can give in to fear, you can scream, you can panic, you can rush home, or you can stay with me and stay with what you said, that if I lay my hands on her, she'll be healed and she'll live. You, you got a choice here, Jairus. You got a choice. And he spoke immediately, and Jairus did the right thing. You know that fear was rising up, but yet he stayed, he stayed there. And that's the last thing we see with Jairus. He kept close to Jesus the whole time. He never left him. When Jesus is, is talking to the little lady that got healed, he could have said to his assistant, hey, show Jesus where I live. And he could have rushed home. He stayed with Jesus. 
When the word came and just said, hey, Jairus, your daughter has died. Leave Jesus alone. He could have just, he could have just put his hand to his head and, just, and, and screamed and, and panicked and run home. But he stayed with Jesus. And when he got home, there, were, there was an uproar there. Now, the Jewish people had a, they had a culture there that said when, when someone died, you would actually pay for mourners to come and to weep and to wail. And the higher in status you went, the more mourners you would have, kind of like a, a funeral home package. If you go to a funeral home, they have packages. Well, we could have these flowers and you could have 20 mourners. Or you could have a package of 50 mourners. And these mourners, they were professionals. And they're coming in and they're, they're weeping and wailing. You know they don't care because when Jesus said, hey, she's not dead, she's sleeping, which is a totally different perspective from the way everyone else saw it. When he said that, Instead of them going, oh, thank God. Oh, praise God. She's just sleeping. They start to ridicule Jesus. And they're looking at Jesus going, you're crazy. You're nuts. And Jairus is standing right there. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's an esteemed man in the community. And they're probably looking at Jairus going, what are you going to do about this, Jairus? And Jairus stands there with Jesus because he knew Jesus was the answer. These people who were mocking were not the answer. And guys, let me tell you something. The people that mock you and laugh at you and talk about your religion and talk about your, your faith in Jesus, they are not the ones that have answers for you when things get tough. You need to stay with him. And so Jairus looked at them, and I love this, and said, and Jesus put them out. <laughs> hey, Jesus did not deal with drama. He put it out. And they stayed right there. Jairus right there with Jesus. And Jesus walks in and raises his little daughter from the dead. Oh, we got a miracle working Jesus. And by the way, he hasn't lost an ounce of power. So what do we learn from this? In this new life, in this God's kingdom, it's part of God's children, it's part of his family. Guys, listen, this is not just a Sunday thing. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you watch online. But this life is much more than just, hey, I've just checked the box, I've gone to church, or I've, I've watched the church. No, this is something we take and we bring it into our life because this changes life. And it makes a difference in this life and in the life to come because this life is minuscule compared to eternity. So what do we learn from Jairus? Here's the first thing we learn. It is right to treat Jesus as greater than us. It is right to treat him as the greatest. It's right to say, Lord, you are greater than anyone and to acknowledge you. We came in, we worshiped this morning. I, I so appreciate our worship team. Yeah. And I appreciate what they do. And I, I just, they help us. And man, you can come in here feeling bad, but you can just, you can just begin to worship and just begin to acknowledge, Lord, you are honest. You are, you are bigger and greater than anything I'm facing. And what are you doing? You're doing the right thing. It's always good to honor him and to treat him as greater. Paul wrote the church at Philippi. It applies to us. He says, God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those in, 
on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guys, listen, there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some may mock now, some may laugh now, but there will come a day when no one will mock and no one will laugh. They will all confess and bow their knees and declare he is Lord, he is the one. And here's the deal. So here's, here's the best advice I can give you. Do it now and avoid the rush. <laughs> Do it now and just say, Lord, you are greater. Tim Keller is a, was a pastor in Manhattan. He just went to, to be with the Lord. He said, 1970, a teacher shared something with him that absolutely changed his life. Sunday school. He said, the teacher, now you know the card. You ready? <laughs> All right. He said, the teacher um, said, the distance between the sun our sun and the earth is 92 million miles. He said, if we took that and, and 92 million miles was represented by the thickness of this car. He said, then the, the distance between the earth and the nearest star to us, besides the sun, would be a stack of these cards 70 feet high. And the distance the diameter of our galaxy, I had to look up diameter, I'd forgotten what it was. It is a straight line drawn through a sphere, end to end. The diameter of our galaxy would be a stack of these cards 310 miles tall. And our galaxy is a speck in this universe. And God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Do you ask someone like that to be your assistant? He's Lord. And we acknowledge him as greater. Second thing is we acknowledge that he is greater than any problem that we're facing. He is greater. And guys, I want to tell you something. Just even beginning to say that, just in your private time, all of us deal with stuff. One of the best things you can say is, Lord, you're bigger than this. Lord, you are bigger than this. You are greater than this. There was a king one time who was facing, he was facing a major, three armies were coming against him. He was vastly outnumbered. And he prayed, and one of his prayers was wonderful. We see it in 2 Chronicles. King was Jehoshaphat. He said, oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's some of the, one of the greatest things you could say. Listen, all of us will face things in life that, are, that we do not have the ability to deal with, that we can't fix it, we can't change it. Or maybe we just simply do not know what to do. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your, your own health. Maybe it's in relationships that you have going on. Maybe it's just something that you just, you cannot fix it and you do not know what to do. But it's, it's one thing to go, I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's another thing to look up and go, God, I believe you are greater than this. I believe you are stronger than this. I believe you are, you are the Lord of this and my eyes are on you. I'm looking to you. See, this is how we live this new life. We're not alone. We have relationship. And we can look at the Lord and go, you're greater than this. What a difference that makes. Here's the third one. We can learn from Jairus that it's right to not give in to fear. What Jesus said to Jairus is so good. He said, don't be afraid, only believe. Now that tells us something. That tells us we need to know what God has said, we need to know. This is why I encourage you to read the Bible because you begin to find out what God has said 
and that God doesn't want us living in fear. And so he has promises and he has things that he's told us. Listen, in the kingdom of God, this is not a kingdom that operates by fear. We live in a world that operates by fear. Don't, you got to move. The fear of missing out, the fear of I'm not going to have enough. You see parents, they're just, they're so afraid for their kids. They got to know where they are just every second of the day. It's fear, fear, fear. And fear is bondage. And God's kingdom is not fear. It's not bondage. You say, well, Alan, I, I feel afraid. I, un- I understand that. I get it. But just because you feel afraid doesn't mean you have to give in to it. We can learn to live bigger than our feelings. And we can learn to live by our faith, not our feelings. And that's a better way to live. You're going to have feelings that just rise up and they feel bad. But you don't have to go there. When Matthew, when we found out that we were pregnant, Joy called me in. We were in Bible school. It's 1983. Joy calls me into the, to the bathroom. She said, Alan, come in. I thought there was a cockroach or a spider in the bathtub. That's always the way it was. She shows me what was new at that time. We're talking the 80s, guys. Pregnancy test. And she said, we're pregnant. I'm like, how did that? Yeah, I know how it happened, but I'm like, how did that happen? (laughs) We went to the doctor. We started getting all the things done. But we we went a few weeks later, and they were doing a a check on her. And, And the doctor looked up at her, and he says, I can't find a heartbeat. I never forget the look on Joy's face. I will never forget that look. And for those of you who have lost children, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's excruciating. And we went home. They said, we're going to send you to a downtown hospital in Tulsa. We're going to send you down there. You know, at this time, guys, you know, now they can look at ultrasounds and stuff. Man, they can tell immediately. Do you remember back in the 80s, those of you who had kids back then, they didn't know what was coming. You could, be, you could be looking at something and like, oh, there's the baby. It looks like a relief map of India. I cannot tell what, what in the world that is. And so they didn't have good equipment, so they sent us downtown where the equipment was better. And we went home and we prayed. And we just got a sense of peace. Listen, we're not living alone. We're not by ourselves. We've got a relationship with God. And we have a Holy Spirit who can let us know things to come. And we just had a sense of peace. It was going to be all right. So we went to the hospital that night. They took Joy around there. I was sitting down. And a, a lady, a nurse called me. She said, Mr. Clayton. I was like, I was 23 years old. I'm like, I used to be calling Mr. Clayton. Mr. Clayton, would you come here? And so I walked. And she said, there was a curtain separating me. I, I'll never forget. As I walked there, I can't say I heard it audibly, but if I ever heard the voice of the enemy, I heard it right then. And a voice said, you're going to see a dead baby. And I stopped. Because it just gripped me. Choice. Do I, do I just back off and go, no, no. But something on the inside of me rose up. And I, I said it under my breath. I didn't say it. I didn't want the nurse to think this. I just said, you're a liar. And I stepped around the edge. And there was little Matthew up and down and moving all over and kicking and and moving. And right then I knew he was a boy. And right then I knew he was going to be incredibly active, which he was. (laughs) But the thing was, I felt afraid. I felt the fear. I didn't give in to the fear. Listen, you can feel afraid and not give in to it. You You can have all kinds of feelings. We have to learn to live bigger than our feelings. And thank God we live in a kingdom that does not operate by feelings. 
It operates by the Word of God and it operates by faith. And thank God we can overcome the feelings of fear. Just start resisting it. Just don't give in to it. Jairus did it right. If he did it, we can do it. Then here's the, here's the last one. Stay close to the Lord. The psalmist said this, just stay close. But he said in, in Psalms, he said, it's good. It's good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. What I'm saying stay close is I'm not leaving the Lord. Maybe things aren't working out just exactly like I would like, but I'm not leaving him. Maybe there's, a, there's an interruption between when I've asked the Lord for help and when I see an answer, but I'm not leaving him. A rancher and his wife were driving in his old 60s pickup, still running. As they drove into the little town they lived in in West Texas, a couple up in front of them was in an, another truck and they were sitting so close, it looked like a two-headed driver. And the, the wife looked over at her rancher husband and she said, you know, honey, she said, I remember when we used to sit like that. And he looked back at her and he said, I haven't moved. Sometimes you feel like I'm just not with the Lord where I should be. Or I, I just feel like the Lord has left me. He hasn't. He hasn't moved. And you can come close. In your words, in your thoughts, in your prayers, you can come his way. Would you bow your head for a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Please, no one leaving. We'll be out here in just a couple of minutes. If you said, you know, Alan, I, I don't even know that I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure about that. Or maybe you said, I, I used to have a relationship with the Lord. Man, I've gotten so far away from it. I want to come back. Well, the good news is, in either case, if you've never made him Lord, you can do that today. And if, if you have gotten away from him, he will take you back so quickly. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to say a prayer. I am going to ask you this one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to today, no one's looking around, just me. If that's you that I'm talking to today and you say, Alan, I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me real quickly? Shoot your hand up just across this, across this auditorium. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. Obviously, if you're online, I can't see you. But this is a prayer for you. We're going to pray it out loud. You pray this. Listen, God sees hands. He sees hearts. You can pray this. We're going to pray with you as a church family. Say, dear God. I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those who have prayed that prayer here and online. And Lord, I thank you for the life that you have for them, those who've come back, those who've come close for the very first time. Thank you for your acceptance and your mercy and your grace towards them and the wonderful plans that you have for them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you for this new life. 
Thank you that we're your children. Thank you that we're part of your kingdom. Thank you it is a conquering kingdom and we're not your defeated ones, we're your strong ones in Christ. And Lord, I thank you for what you're teaching us and what you're working in us. We'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.